This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of March 11th. I'm your host, William Liu. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Vivek. And um, look, this was an up-and-down week of Raptors basketball. I would say Tuesday against uh, the Rockets. That loss felt just felt really terrible in terms of where the team was. You, you would have figured that the team full strength would be able to do something, but uh, the bench just completely shit the bed. I mean, how did you feel about this week? Yeah, I mean, that Rockets game is probably the biggest one you take away from because especially when you saw the way they played in the third quarter and Siakam touched on it, it was like, you know, we need to come out and play like that right from the get-go. Um, and I thought it was there for maybe like the first three, maybe four minutes. Um, and then the Rockets sort of just sustained and the Raptors really dropped off. And uh I, thought, I, I think that, that was the most frustrating part, like the lack of intensity. I mean... Maybe they're, they're in that sort of malaise where they're like, okay, we got the two seed. We're not really getting the one. We're definitely not dropping the three. So I don't know. It's weird. It's, it, it was a weird game that first half, especially. Um, second half, they made their run and then the Rockets sort of came back. I mean, it, it's, it's cool to see Chris Paul playing well again. Um, and seeing the Rockets back, you know, it, it looks like. They sort of just coasted through the first half of the regular season. I mean, everyone except for Harden. Now, you know, they see the playoffs again. They see Golden State again. And obviously they believe that they can beat them. Um, so it's cool to see them look like a contender again. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I like the Rockets. Um, just like in terms of you, you got to give Golden State some competition in the West. And I still feel like they're the team that probably gives them the most trouble. And I think they've had a couple pieces too. Um I would say, I think, you know, it's interesting when you contrast the Rockets with a team like the Raptors because a lot of teams that have had, like, success from the get-go and sort of sustain it throughout the season, like, the Raptors are one of those teams, right? Like, aside from, like, you know, small blips and little small injuries and stuff like that, the Raptors have, for the most part, cruised along at a 70% win percentage for the entire season. And so, 
teams like that, when they get into March, you know, like you start to see some kind of iffiness, right? Like, um, yeah. like you see the Bucks, for example, they, they've, they've dropped random losses to the Spurs and that was tough as a back to back, less than four, uh, 24 hours before games, but you know, they lost that yeah. game against the Spurs. Um, they lost the game to the Suns, right? They like teams like that will eventually drop off. And like you look at the Warriors, for example, right now they're in full, like, last year Cavs mode of just like forget it we're, I, we're just going to yell at each other we're going to get all yeah. this out right now because none of these games matter and I think you know for teams like that that struggle during this stretch um, you know there's a habit of sort of looking too much into it and I felt like after that Rockets game I was I was upset in the moment and um, you know I felt like this it's really frustrating the Raptors can hit top gear uh, except for one quarter in the third quarter which was great but still that was only like they played hard for 12 minutes. Um, yeah. It was frustrating. But then I saw, the next day, you sort of step back and you look at the bigger context. You're like, man, that's not really an issue for the Raptors. That loss dropped them to 46-19. and 19. They're still in the second seed. <laughs> Nothing really changed about it. So it, it didn't really affect my mood that much. Whereas, like, you compare it to a team like the Rockets, right? Like, you know, they had their struggles. They were, like, 14th in the West for a hot second. And then they needed yeah. to sort of make their way back. And you look at the, the Celtics, for example. They've sort of apparently had this big, long plane ride, and that helped them. And they've sort of come back together <laughs> a little bit. And um, even a team like the Pistons, right, what the Raptors also lost to. Like, you know, like they were kind of mediocre for the whole year. And then they, you know, they got to really make it up during the stretch. And they got to make their push now. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's how I felt about the Raptors. And it, it was nicely confirmed because the, the rest of the week was, you know, easy sailing. The Pelicans game. Like that was one of the most low intensity games I've ever seen. That's uh, it's like a preseason. That's like a preseason in Hawaii level of uh, intensity. <laughs> and then Miami. Yeah. I mean that that Miami win was was just such a feel good win. No Kawhi, but whole team working together. What do you think of the Miami game? Yeah, I mean, it, I think you just see when this team is making its threes, it's pretty impossible to stop them. Um, again, you know, going back to Ibaka at center. Uh, he's been great at the starting center, which is what I guess still makes a nurse consider this sort of timeshare, uh, an option. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought Ibaka was great. I thought Lowry was amazing. Um, you know, this full K-Lo game. Uh, and then all the pieces sort of played around him. Well, I, I, I think everyone's talking about how Patrick McCall fit into that game, his willingness to shoot. Um, and you can just see everyone sort of gearing up that confidence level. And, you know, maybe now as we enter down the stretch, those guys, McCaw, um, you know, Norma Powell, Jeremy Lin, they maybe they might realize that, you know, they've really got to show something down this stretch to get to earn minutes in the playoffs. And so we might see a little uptick in in their intensity and their aggressiveness. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's, that's uh, yeah, that was the same kind of positive takeaway for me for the Heat game was just like, you know, that bench unit that had been struggling and obviously it was so bad against the Rockets. Like you got guys like OG and, uh, Marcus who are like minus 30. It's not entirely their fault, but it's just like a reflection of yeah. how bad they were. Um, and then yeah, my, against Miami, like a lot of it was with Lowry with the bench and that definitely helped them, but, um, it really kind of laid out the blueprint of how the bench unit can be successful playing around a distributor like Gasol because it, it like is weird because Gasol only had three assists, but at least there were like at least three or four hockey assists. And he's making a lot of great passes to like let to foul shots and stuff like that. And I just felt like, you know, that's the kind of blueprint where if you have like a good distributor 
and, and hopefully Fred VanVleet can be that guy when he comes back. But you have Fred working and just setting the table with Gasol. And then you got guys like Norm and Jeremy and, um, you know, OG and even Patrick McCaw who can be finishers. If they can just finish opportunities, like, I think that would probably make it look a lot better because for the most part, Norm and Jeremy haven't looked good as, uh, on-ball creators. And, you know, I think right. honestly, if Gasol is going to play with the second unit, they have to use him as that hub. And I felt like Miami yeah. was the first game where they did that properly. Yeah, and, you know, I find it interesting that you talk about him being the hub. He absolutely needs to be that with the bench unit. But I think one of the things that actually hurt them in that Houston game was the fact that, you know, when the other guys aren't able to really operate off him or take advantage of the opportunities that he's creating, I would like to see him be a bit more mm-hmm. aggressive and take control of the offense. Um, and, you know, we, we all, we've already observed early on how, like, you know, Kyle Lowry and Marcus all have very similar traits in like the way they're able to like set everybody up and they seem to have like this great chemistry and understanding of each other. And I find that aspect of their games also kind of similar where maybe they're too unselfish at times. And so I would like at certain times for Marcus all to sort of recognize the situation and say, okay, you know what? Norm's not really giving us anything. Um, McCall is struggling. So I, you know, I'm just going to get down in the post and just demand the ball and then just go to work. So I think he's got to find a, a bit of a balance there. I, I do agree that initially, you know, start off as the hub, look to get everyone involved. That, that'll make his game easier. Um, but, but I think in terms of the leash, it, that's something that, you know, with time, hopefully he'll figure out. It's like, you know, after a few plays, it's like, okay, let, let's get, let's get me on the block and let me go to work. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it doesn't even have to be like, I need Gasol to shoot 15 times in like 20 minutes or something. Like, really, right. all I really need is, um, Gasol to be aggressive enough to assert himself as the scoring threat for that, the main scoring threat, and then everyone else can sort of play off that attention. As it is right now, yeah. teams are already giving Gasol a lot of attention and he's, he's doing a great job of distributing. Um, mm-hmm. but like, you know, it, it is just kind of weird where like, again, Gasol is like very, very unselfish by nature, but I feel like right now it's, it's almost too unselfish, right? Like this past week, uh, in three games, he took a total of 12 shots or sorry, uh, he took yeah. a total of 17 shots in an entire week, right? Which is just, yeah. it's, it's kind of not enough. It, it really isn't. Um, and so, but I mean, the, the other parts of the game, defensively, I think he's been really solid, um, outside of a couple of moments where he's looked a little bit slow, but I honestly think that he's been positionally, it's, it's really helped the Raptors defense. Miami was a great yeah. example of that. He was, he was really good in that game. Um, and then the passing, I just think it makes the Raptors like more, uh, dynamic and it's harder to, you know, like in previous years, for example, like how many times in the playoffs did we see, uh, defenses would trap DeMar, would trap Kyle. And I think this year they're still going to do the same strategy of trapping Kawhi, trapping Kyle. And they didn't yeah. have that playmaking big in the middle. They would swing the ball. If they ever did swing the ball instead of shooting over contested jumpers like DeMar did. But if they did ever swing the ball into the middle of the floor and it was Serge or Jonas in that four on three situation, they were terrible at it. Like they were terrible. Yeah. Like they made marginal improvements yeah. throughout the regular season, but like in a playoff type of intensity where your scheme for everyone is sort of really focused and locked in. Like, they weren't able to make plays. They weren't able to score, and they weren't really able to distribute. Like, Jonas could score a little bit, but, you know, he was also giving up something on the defensive end. And, like, now yeah. when you see Gasol, like, the the Heat trapped Gasol. or sorry, the Heat, the Heat trapped the Raptors guards in that Sunday game. That didn't work. The mm-hmm. Heat went to a zone. That didn't work. And the reason it didn't work was because Gasol would get the ball in the middle of the floor and make these great decisions that would eventually lead to open shots. And I think that's why... 
you go and get a guy like that, right? I mean, it's it's more subtle than you know the huge twenty and ten numbers that uh, Jonas is putting up. And honestly, I'm happy for Jonas. It's it's great that he's opportunity, but like what the Raptors kind of need, or at least what they thought they were they needed, was a guy like Gasol who could you know make them more dynamic. And I think. You know, there's a lot of hand-wringing over Gasol's, like, limited stats, but I really do feel like in terms of impact, he is he is making the Raptors better, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, again, that goes to the Kyle Lowry comparison. I don't, I don't know if uh, you heard uh, or saw Eric Spolster's quote when he was asked about uh, what Marc Gasol brings to the Raptors, um, but I, I, th- I thought he had a great quote. And he said, you know, he gives the Raptors another guy who doesn't get seasick at the end of the shot clock, mm. right? I think Raptors fans have seen that with a bunch of guys where <laughs> you get into certain, you know, uh, tight situations late in games or the, late in the shot clock and you've got to, you, you've got to show that initiative to be able to create. Um, and now the Raptors have another guy that can do that in Marcus also. When, like you described before, when Kyle, when a Kyle Lowry gets trapped, when a Kawhi Leonard gets trapped, um, you know, now he's someone that can take advantage of that. He can get into the right, pockets and you know i think one thing that always stood out to me before when you you know you're describing you know whether whether it's uh ibaka or valentunas before you know trying to provide an outlet off that trap you know the rosen or lowry they'd always be making sort of these soft passes backwards because they had to because it was that was the angle they were forced into off the traps and right. now you've got uh, Ibaka or Valanciunas like 30 feet away from the basket and it's like, okay, someone's got to go get it out of their hands again. Um, and now if you've got someone like Marcus All, he can get into the right pocket. He can understand how they're getting trapped and give them sort of more of an option, um, or a, a, you know, an earlier outlet. There's that trust there that, you know, you get it to him quickly. He can figure out this, uh, a solution. And so I think that those are things, again, when you talk about impact, We'll see it more in the playoffs where, you know, the traps are going to be a lot, uh, becoming a lot harder and a lot more often. Yeah, for sure. And again, this is one of those things where it's like, I think on paper, like JV and Gasol do entirely different things in the center position. Yeah. And I think the Raptors yeah. basically decided they need a guy who can do what Gasol does more than they need a guy who does, does what JV does. And honestly, like, they, it could be a mistake. It honestly could be a mistake, right? I mean, like, I think that there are things that JV does that are way better than what Gasol does in terms of, like, finishing in the paint, in terms of rebounding and stuff like that. Like, he's, he's straight up better at those things. It's kind of undeniable. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, I think, you know, let's say you roll it back last, like, with this team going into the playoffs, right? Like, I think realistically, the style of play hasn't changed too much as compared to last year. Like, they sort of maintain that right. Nick Nurse, like, you know, free-flowing, you know, shoot-the-three kind of system. And, like, I don't know, man. I, you could, you know, Kawhi is better than DeMar for sure, especially defensively. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we know Kawhi has different gears to hit defensively that he doesn't consistently hit. But, you know, whatever, load management, okay. Um but like offensively, he kind of functions in a similar way to Demar, right? Like he's a he's a more efficient scorer, but then he sort of takes a little bit off the table be, by being a less efficient passer. Although recently he's been passing a lot better too. It's like, but right. at the end of the day, like if you're gonna roll back into the playoffs with the exact same personnel, you're still gonna have the same fundamental weaknesses and flaws that can mm-hmm. you can be exploited, right? And I felt like yeah. even though JV was a solid contributor throughout the playoffs, there's no denying that, right? I think that the game plan to 
beat the Raptors. The Raptors will have the same weaknesses as previous seasons. And yeah, there's no more LeBron, so who knows? That that might not be an issue, but I think there is still something about that weakness where the Raptors decided we don't feel comfortable with having two centers that can't handle uh, or make plays. And I think that's why they want to get Gasol. Again, we'll, we'll see if it works out in the playoffs, if that is indeed the case, but um, I, I mean, so far, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with the Gasol thing. It's like a B-level uh, satisfaction right now. Like it would be a, if he could score like 15 points a game, yeah. but I, there hasn't been that many instances where I've, I felt like, yo, I need you to do more scoring. That, and the Houston game being an exception that, that game, he should have right. shot more than five shots. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you on all that. I think um, with Gosal, again, you will see the bigger impact in the playoffs. Oh, the Lakers signed Andre Ingram again. Um, Wow. They're back into that mode. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> LeBron making another movie, huh? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I can't yeah, wait for the corny so... LeBron Instagram after this. <laughs> More than an athlete. In, in, fact, he works, greatness. in fact, he works two other jobs. Definitely more <laughs> than an athlete. Also a barista. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so to Gasol, like specifically when we talk about matchups, right? We talk, especially when we look at that Bucks series and the way they've sort of manipulated the advantage at the five position mm-hmm. um, with Brook Lopez. I think that's an area where I think uh, the Raptors, uh, you know, with starting Ibaka, they looked at Ibaka uh, at that pick and pop from the mid range, and it was like, okay, the math's just not working. So they tried to have him. Uh, pick and pop from three and it worked in one game and then the other games where it didn't, they couldn't, they couldn't really keep up. So again, Chris Hall is going to be another guy that can help in that area. Um, he's got to shoot then, better though. Chris Hall's got to shoot better. I don't know what it is. He does. He does. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel like just in general, he's kind of been reluctant with that shot. So, mm. um, maybe that aggressiveness will come. Um, yeah, it's, and again, it's weird because like, know, how much is it's just you guys just, not wanting to step on anyone's toes and just trying to fit in, right? That's true. That is true. Um, um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, the weird thing is Gasol was shooting, uh, so in his last two seasons, with last three seasons, we can even go back three seasons with Memphis, right? Obviously, it's a different situation because he's asked to do more offensively, but he took 4.23s yeah. per game um, over the last you know two and a half seasons with Memphis. And then since he's yeah. come to Toronto, it's been 1.7, right? And then yeah. he's playing fewer minutes and things like that, but... That's oh, these are per thirty six numbers too, by the way. So he's dropped from four point two to one point seven per thirty six. So that that even takes a minutes difference out of the equation. Like he's just not yeah. shooting them as much. And um, yeah, I don't know. He he, I, I, that's one area where I want to see him shoot more and uh, run more pick and pops with Gasol and stuff because he's a good shooter. It's very clear. He just yeah. hasn't shot it. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe that's something they're trying to hide till they see Brook Lopez, but. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that aspect. I mean, I, I, I would assume that's part of why you went out and got him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the one thing I've sort of been trying to compare lately is do I prefer, uh, the team that started out the season 20 and 4 and everything was sort of clicking on all cylinders? Um, and that team's outlook, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think if I look at just the, the roster on paper going into this postseason, obviously I prefer this roster right now than the 20 and 4 team that started out the season. But if I combine that 20 and 4 team with the projected outlook going forward as well, 
um, especially with that eight-year difference of Gasol and JV. I think it's sort of an interesting debate of which one you'd rather have for the next, you know, five years, not just this postseason. But again, you know, this season is about going all in and being all about this postseason. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, the the one difference between um, what they had at the start of the season versus what they have now is like the rotation was way more consistent at the start of the yeah. year, right? And that's like it's it's normal. Like everyone is healthy coming into the season. Um, you have all the training camp to work on your rotations, and it was like consistent on night to night basis what was going to happen. Like they would change the center spot, but like in terms of who would sub in and what time, who would play with who, like that was for the most part consistent. Uh, whereas now. It is, I mean, part of it is just a function of the schedule, part of it is the function of the trade deadline, but like, you know, they don't have the same, um, exact continuity, and part of that is, you know, Nurse trying to figure it out on the fly, but, I don't know, I think that the, the ceiling for this team currently is, is a little bit higher, especially in a playoff setting. Yeah, like, I, I don't even want to look at, like, necessarily, like, what's the point differential here versus what it was before, cause like, uh, I don't care for that stuff. Yeah, like, some of the point differential things really just reflects, like, consistency of what you can execute and how well you can execute, right? Whereas, like, yeah. now I'm sort of looking at it in terms of, like, um, you know, again, which, which different scenarios, like, can the Raptors play this style? Can they play this style? Can they, um, you know, you know what kind of lineup flexibility and combinations they have. Like, I think right now they are a little bit more dynamic than where they were at the start of the season. But honestly, part of the, the reason the Raptors are so good at the start of the season was because JV was putting up like twenty and fifteen in like it was like his per thirty six numbers were nuts, man. It was like twenty twenty five and like sixteen rebounds and like three blocks, and I was like, holy crap! But uh but then Draymond happened, you know. So yeah, like Steve Kyle, Kerr, I'm Kyle so tired of Draymond like shit. All NBA. <laughs> That too. Although that's starting to come back. That's that's actually it's been one of the most back. positive nice. developments. Yeah. Um yeah, what what do you what do you think about Kyle recently? Because man, I think is... I've been encouraged by uh his drives lately and his ability to okay. finish uh through contact. Um like even though the Houston game was a bit of a downer, there were multiple times where he was able to get to the rack, finish through contact. Um and he's been doing that I think a lot more over the past couple of weeks. Um, and then the, another thing that's kind of stood out to me is his like one, one man transition defense plays oh my God. over the past couple of weeks. Like it's been insane. Like yeah. two on one, three on one. Like he's been able to make plays. Um, and yeah, that confidence that we, we might see uh, a full Kyle Lowry, uh, a full Kalo effect in the playoffs is it? is definitely higher than it was a month ago. Um, and then the final thing I'll say is uh, the thing as a whole that I'm most encouraged by is if I were to look at this team a month ago and what are we at? March? Yeah, yeah. So a month ago before the trades and all that, um, you're looking at the roster and you're looking at, you know, needing uh, one of Siakam, the Siakam that we knew a month ago, Um or Kyle Lowry needing to be the second best scorer on the team consistently. And mm-hmm. I had doubts about that. Yep. Um, you know, when you're asking that out of Kyle night after night, I think that that can sort of take away from his game. And so now I think with, you know, Siakam sort of taking another quantum leap again over the past month. Bro. Um, <laughs> He's averaging like 22 points per game in the month, <laughs> in the month period. And it's like with Kawhi, without Kawhi, it's honestly the same. This man's going to give you 20 yeah. efficiently. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's the thing. With, and they're not running plays for him. 
with, with, with what Gasol's bringing to the table, I think it's given Kyle this comfort zone where it's like everything I do in terms of my individual offense is just gravy now. You know, I can yep. just do everything else that I do. Um, and then, uh, you know, if the offense comes great, that, that just takes us to another level. So, um, I think the Raptors are a lot closer to getting to their ceiling with this sort of hierarchy where Kyle can be, you know, the third, fourth, maybe even at times the, the fifth highest scorer and the Raptors can still, you know, really put up some good numbers, uh, on that end of the court. So that, that's probably my biggest takeaway of the team just before the, the trade, the big trade and obviously the bio signing, but, um, and the team now. Yeah, for sure. And if you, if you go back to the last 13 games, right? So, um, Kyle is averaging 17 points a game, nine assists, six rebounds, shooting 41% from deep on eight attempts per game, getting to free throw line for 3.5. I mean, that's only significant because he really wasn't shooting free throws earlier. Um, and yeah, over that time, you know, he's averaging 36 minutes a game and he's a plus seven. Uh, like that's, that's exactly where you want Kyle to be. Like that's exactly where, and like he's had a lot of great moments, right? Like that Philly game, you know, going back home, playing in front of his mom. He always has a great game. Um, I felt like he was really big in that Atlanta game as well, right after the trade deadline, because they were super short-handed yeah. and Kyle had to really step up. Really good all-around game, distributing obviously. Cause oh, that was that was the Fred and Pascal game. Though. That was nuts, man. I can't believe Fred had that game and then like he went down with injury right after. What a disappointment! Like. <laughs> and then Jeremy Lin has scored the total amount of points that Fred had in that one game since. Um, <laughs> but then, like, yeah, like, you know, Kyle against the Spurs obviously comes up with that game-saving um, steal. Like, I really, like, Kawhi deserves half that steal, like a sack. Yeah. That's like a sack, right? Like, Kawhi gets half a sack, Kyle gets half a sack for that, you know, mugging of DeMar DeRozan in the middle of the floor. Uh, Orlando, he was really good. He was the only guy who played well. Uh, and they still lost that Orlando game, but that wasn't Kyle's fault. He played really well. Boston, yeah. he, I thought he really showed up and played. Portland, he was amazing. Detroit, okay. he was amazing. 35 points, right? Even Houston, he, that was the worst game on the stretch, for, for sure. He was really, really struggling against switches. But, uh, that Pelicans game, he gets a triple double. And then that Heat game, I mean, that, that might have been his best game of the season. Like, he was just so, so good. He was a plus 31 in 35 minutes. Like, that's, that's unheard of, really. So, um, Kyle's really come around. We're looking for more out of, uh, a little bit more out of Mark, um, but uh, on the whole, like you know, things are going well. Um, let's uh, let's quickly look at next week's games or this week's games before we go to Twitter questions. There's a lot of them. Um, so the Raptors play uh, three games this week. The first game being today against the uh, Cavaliers. Um, that should be That's a win. A win. <laughs> I, I just want, I'm just curious, you know. I'm curious as to what's going on with the Cavs recently because, you know, that's not a team you pay attention to. So they just lost to the Heat, man. They lost to Brooklyn. They beat Orlando. Wow, that's I thought Orlando was in, in, invincible. And uh but yeah, wow, that's that that team sucks. So yeah. Yeah. They should win that game. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder if you managed Kawhi's load for this one. You know? No, they they managed that load last night, so he could play tonight, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You need, like, like I said, like, you need, we're, you need, we're we're trying to we're we're trying to do that reverse LeBron torture. You, you need <laughs> you need all your energy to go up against uh, Brandon Knight and uh, Chetty Osman. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't play Chetty Osman in the second half of back to back. It's impossible. <laughs> no, but they they got Kevin Love back. They got uh, 
They they started Chetty Osmond, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, Brandon Knight, Larry Nance. Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Marquise Chris, who's not good. Nick Stauskas, who's apparently not good. Anti Zizic. Yeah. I mean, David Nawaba's playing 23 minutes. Like, yikes. That's, that should be a win. Um, yeah. I saw, I saw they were like, uh, since Kevin Love's come back, they're a plus five with him on. Oh, and shit. Like a minus, and, then, and then like a minus 15 as soon as he gets off, so. Kevin Love. That would have been an interesting trade target. That would have been. Um, yeah. I mean, his contract's way too long for the Raptors to have really considered it, but yeah. he's the type of guy where you're like, if you're going against Milwaukee, you want Kevin Love. <laughs> if you want to just yeah. play pick and pop with Kevin Love in the middle of the floor, like, sure, Milwaukee's going to go at him defensively and it's going to hurt, but, um, man, he's the kind of guy where, it, it, you know, basically be a super Horford against that team. That would have been nice. Yeah. Um, Thursday, Raptors play host to the Lakers. The Lakers, uh, I mean, they got Andre Ingram now, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> man, LeBron's on a LeBron big restriction. That game, right? What's that? LeBron plays that game, right? Cause it's, it, uh, it's back to back. He might not. Yeah. Who knows? If I were, if I were LeBron, I'm taking that game off. Cause I, you know, LeBron, uh, he... LeBron likes the city of Toronto. That's for, that's for sure. <clears throat> he's, so he's, he's just, he's gonna save, save up, save up for, uh, Casey. I'm just saying, LeBron could uh, could do some load management in that game for sure. <laughs> um, I'll say nothing else. But, uh, yeah, anyway, the Lakers are playing like trash right now. Like, they should win that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Lakers' only wins of late have come against, dating back to February 23rd, the Lakers' only win was New Orleans, who are we saw were, were terrible, so. Yeah, the the, the, they should, the Raptors should win that game, and then they finish the week playing the Detroit Pistons. Now, normally, this would be um, I would say this would be a win, but this is the first half of a back to back. The Raptors play yeah. Sunday, March seventeenth, uh, at the Pistons afternoon game, and then the following day they play at home to the Knicks. So, if I'm looking at it, Kawhi's one hundred percent resting that game because they're going to just tell him, you know, you don't need to drive down the four hundred one to go to Detroit and then come back for, you know, whatever reason you you would ever do that. Um it it feels like they would rest Kawhi. And if they rest Kawhi then this really game this game's a toss up just like we saw last weekend. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um Pistons are interesting of late, man. Like Yo, Dwayne's doing a good job. Dwayne's a good coach, man. If you want to win regular season games, Dwayne's a good coach. I don't I don't even mean that facetiously. Like Dwayne is a really good coach. And yeah, uh, it really did piss me off last year where like he was getting so little credit. I mean, he eventually won coach of the year, but like on Twitter, it was like people were was like, oh man, like look at Quinn Snyder, like look at Brad Stevens. I'm like, you know how hard it is to make an existing core group of players play in an entirely different style and then make that work and then keep yeah. them so successful that they almost got to 60 yeah. wins. Like, no, yeah. Dwayne Casey was definitely the coach of the year last year. Um, yeah. And it was annoying and, to I see mean, people not recognize that. They they had so much success that I thought you know to agree to a degree the hate that uh, Norman Powell and Ibaka were getting was a little unwarranted because it's like if you went into the season and were like the Raptors are going to completely overhaul their offense you would expect some guys to struggle with that transition mm-hmm. and it's because so many guys excelled at it and Ibaka and Powell were kind of like the only two that kind of struggled. They took on so much hate, so that that's a tremendous credit to Casey that those were the only two guys that really struggled with it. Um, 
And so, yeah, now again with Detroit, he's continuing, you know, his continuity and chemistry, uh, and pounding that rock and Drummond, like he's found no, Drummond's playing well, man. Yeah, he's found another level well. this past month and a half or whatever it is. Um, Blake Griffin's been great all season. Yeah. Uh, and Reggie Jackson's been playing better, um, since he came back from the injury. So yeah, they, they seem to be a lot more confident. Um, I could definitely see the Pistons winning that game. Um, but I think because of, you know, I, we know how Kyle gets when he, when he takes a tough loss and like, especially that game with, with the way the referees were, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors came out hard to go and get that one. Um, so I will still pick the Raptors to win that game. Okay. Fair enough. I'll say, I'll say cautiously that's a loss, but quite honestly, the Raptors could very well beat a team even without Kawhi Leonard. We saw that against the Heat, so. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll empty out the mailbag. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. Still here with Vivek. Um, we are going to take Twitter questions. As always, you can hit up at Raptors Republic for... Um, you know, the mailbag. So first question comes from Assad. Uh, why can't Will come up with his own things anymore? Yo, Assad, just relax. Okay. Relax. Relax. I mean, Assad is very smart about as well. That's why he comes on this podcast and stuff. So I'll say that. But also <laughs> I, I took one of his points. That's it. I took one of his points and I told him in the chat, I was going to take the point. So, uh, that, that's real cute. That's real cute. But, uh, he had another question. Um, how much better has Jeremy Lin been as compared to Lorenzo Brown? Oh my God. <laughs> ah, that hurts me. That hurts me. But Jeremy is I'm, not. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna let, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you handle this one, bro. <laughs> Look, man. Um, if I'm gonna completely be honest with with uh, how good Jeremy Lin is as a player, he's kind of like uh, the Asian uh, Ramon Sessions. Um, he's Ramen Sessions. Uh, but like, this. I mean, I think he needs to have the ball in his hands to score for sure, and. Uh, it's been a big adjustment for him playing off ball. I mean, the fact that this man is shooting 13% from deep, and this is after a good week, right? The last two games he's hit three triples, and that's nice because before that he literally didn't hit any. Um, it's been it's been tough watching Jeremy play. It's been tough, and it's it's tough that uh, Nick Nurse is making excuses, being like, "Well, you know, I, apparently I didn't call enough plays or more set plays and stuff like that, and giving him too much freedom." Like, man, you never want to hear that from your coach. If you're playing well, the coach would never say, "I'm giving him too much freedom." Like, you never hear like, I mean, this is a ridiculous comparison, but you'll never hear like Mike D'Antoni being like, "Man, I'm giving James Harden too much freedom. I gotta I gotta rein him in." It's like, no, if the player's playing well, he's just playing well. Like, you don't want to put any you know, frame or structure around them. Whereas with Jeremy, it was sort of like Nick Nurse being like, yo, listen, uh, I, I'm going to need to help him out. I'm going to drop some plays and, you know, lessen his importance. And it, it's been disappointing. It's been disappointing, I'll say that much. But you know what? The one thing is I'll say Jeremy has been surprisingly gritty defensively. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean surprisingly gritty as in, like, you know, he's Asian, so it's surprising that he plays defense. But it's like, for real, though, like, he actually has come up with a lot of good defensive plays. I thought against the Heat he was really good. Um, and you know, that, I don't think that's ultimately his value as a player, but if you could tell that he's trying to compensate for his lack of offense in other ways, and I do appreciate that at least, but, uh, I mean, the way things are going, Jeremy's getting cut from the playoff rotation period, and he's just going to be a really nice bench guy who, you know, me and Alex Wong end up asking questions about anything related to Asia, so. 
Um, <laughs> it's good for content. It's good for our careers, I guess. The one, the one thing I will say that maybe uh, sh- should have been factored in more uh-huh. um, when the signing was made was the fact that he's never really been on an elite team before. Yeah, that's and true. That is true. So, so there is like you know an added intensity, um, more scrutiny, more. I mean, obviously he's used to dealing with scrutiny, but um, I think there's a higher level of compete mm-hmm. uh, playing for an elite team that maybe he needs to adjust to. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's a great point. Like, look at that Houston game, man. He he was yeah. completely out of sorts. Yeah, you know, I don't think anyone's played that hard against Jeremy since LeBron and Dwayne Wade decided to give him the Tony Kukoc treatment during Linsanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember every game of that. Yeah. Run. <laughs> yeah. So so that is so that's the thing, man. Like maybe. maybe uh, Maybe that's something that he needs a bit more time adjusting to, and maybe he'll get there, and maybe he'll get more comfortable with. Um, and you also, when when you're joining a new team and you're seeing this team at this high level, like remember the quote he had uh, right when he signed about like, you know, I almost feel like I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we need to see a bit more of that. Yeah, I I do I do belong on this team. This team came after me for a reason, and so I'm just gonna play my game. Um, and bring what I bring to the table. Um, maybe a bit more of that uh, swag and that that factor of you know him feeling like he genuinely belongs. Yeah. Look, man, Jeremy is better than what he's shown so far. Like I guarantee yeah. you, he's he's yeah. better than what he's shown so far. He's not going to be some sort of world. Honestly, he's not going to be um, a great player, but he's definitely going to be better than what he is right now. Like he's shooting thirty six percent. His career average is forty four. Like he should shoot better. So. Um, I'm pulling for him, obviously, but, uh, I can see why other people are calling him Lorenzo Brown. That's, that's rude, man. Come on. He's got much better hair. Uh, <laughs> Sam asks, when playoff time rolls around, are we going to recognize besides acquisition of Pat McCaw as an X Factor move? I like Pat McCaw a lot. I want the Raptors to re-sign mm-hmm. Pat McCaw and have him develop as a Raptor because yeah. he has some skills and some gifts that are kind of unteachable. Like, the fact that he's so skinny, but the fact that he can also hold his ground, and he can guard multiple positions. Like, he can guard twos, he can guard ones, he can kind of guard threes as well. Like, and the fact that he's so skinny that he he's it's literally impossible to screen this guy. He's so skinny, he just, like, slithers around tiny cracks and, like, cuts off the yeah. penetration. Like, there's value in that. And I really do think that he might be... Like, I think he's playing harder than everyone else, so I think that's the factor. But I also think... Just on talent alone, like he is the Raptors' second best on-ball defender in terms of containing penetration. It's him and Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. No, and he's I better than that. Danny. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Danny, he, you know, he's 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 got a little bit uh, of a questionable motion with his feet when he move when he moves. Uh, I, as long as he keeps getting to his spots and knocking down those corner threes and making those chase down blocks, I think we're all happy. Um, but yeah, with Patrick McCall, like, I think what's interesting about him is like, he's just, you, you just see, um, that ability again to just make the right play, make the right decisions. Um, yeah. and obviously you get that from being in a program like the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and then the other thing that stands out to me is, is he's, he, you kind of touched on this. He's got that wiry strength to him, kind of like yeah. Chris Bosch did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of deceptive, right? And people think they can go at him, but, but he can really hold his own. Um, his positioning is really good. I think, um, and, you know, even when he gets himself a bit out of position, he's, he's got so much quickness to him that he's able to get right back, uh, in front of guys. And, 
Um, and then he's got he's got that randomness on his drives, right? He's he's one of yeah. those guys where it's like, well, you don't know where to go because I don't think he knows where, where he's going. You know he's, what I mean? He's like, almost too quick. I think it's affecting yeah. his uh, his his finishing a little bit almost because he's he's actually <laughs> moving so fast. But um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he just seems to see space and run towards it. Um, and then as soon as it seems like a defender's consuming that space, he goes in another direction. And, um, so I, I it, he's, he's pretty entertaining to watch on the break. But, um, if this, if, it, if he can continue to sort of stay aggressive with his shot as well and play the defense that he's playing, like, he absolutely should be a part of the playoff rotation. And who knows? He might, he might, he might impact some games. Yeah, for sure. I could definitely see him as a situational player where you know what you're going to get from him defensively and you put him Mm -hmm. into the game and he's, you know, just basically hustling. Like he's definitely a game, he's definitely a player where you play him more at home, uh, where he's more comfortable. But like, yeah, I mean, he could give you spurts. Like last year, for example, really underrated in that Wizards series was how many times DeLon Wright will come in and give you this crazy energy and like length and everything and it'll just shift. The way the Raptors are playing and push them into overdrive, and it only happened on occasional games, and it definitely didn't happen against the Cavs. But you know, I could see Pat having the same style of impact. I don't think the same sort of actual quantity because I think Belon's much better than uh, Pat McCaw at this stage of their careers. But um, right. that that's the kind of role I could see him playing. Um, next one from Sugar Danny. All right, uh, who would you <laughs> rather uh, face in the semifinals, Boston or Philly? I'm going with Philly just because. Um, I, I'm, I think the Raptors can beat both teams, but I really want Boston to be the team that faces against Milwaukee because I feel like Boston is the best matchup for Milwaukee uh, in terms of like which teams can actually give the Bucks a scare because um, basically Milwaukee flattens everything like no no corner threes, no rim buckets, and you just got to beat them with mid range jumpers and uh, and pick and pop threes from above the break. And I think basically Boston does that better than anyone else in the. Uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference, so give me that Horford-Kyrie yeah. uh, combination versus the Bucks, and hopefully they knock them out because you know that's the only team I'm I'm afraid to play as the Raptors is just the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd rather face Philly than Boston in the second round as well. Um, I think uh, Gasol and Embiid, uh, Gasol and uh, Ibaka match up favorably against Embiid, and honestly, when you can take away. Uh, a team's best player in a playoff series. I think that's half the job done. Yeah. Um, and so. And you know, uh, Ka- you know, you know, Kawhi owns Ben Simmons. Well, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> ben so. Simmons, bro. That man's averaging like eight eight turnovers per game against Kawhi this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I I do think there is something to Philly almost trying to be too good too quick. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, where I, I, you know, where you put these pieces like Butler and Tobias and, and you're trying to accelerate the process. Whereas maybe, you know, if they had like another year where Simmons and Embiid can make those mistakes and, you know, see more double teams and have to suffer through it a bit more, they'd be better for it. Um, and now it's more like everyone's just trying to keep each other happy and, uh, Tobias Harris is trying to be the connector. Um, what does that even so, mean? Oh. That's what he said. So the connector. Um, yeah, this guy doesn't even pass. So. He's not even a passer. Like he's, he's just a guy who shoots jumpers. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's fine. But like, well. I've never looked yeah, at him I mean, as like a like a connecting type of player. You know what I mean? Like Kyle Lowry's a connector for sure. Like, but uh, yeah. you know, anyway. Yeah, Gasol's a connector. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but uh, yeah, basically, what what he was brought in for was 
you know, they were trying to give uh, Butler room to operate, so they put Embiid out on the three-point line, and now Embiid's complaining, saying, hey, you know, I do my work in the post, so it, it, this shouldn't be my job. So they go out and get Tobias Harris to be the one that spots up in the corner, and you, you think that um, that'll make Butler and Embiid happy. And so that's the thing. Now you've got this whole juggling act where you're trying to make everyone happy, uh, and Jimmy Butler's probably out the door in the summer. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. And so, yeah, I, I just think I, I just think it's a mess. They don't really have depth. Um, you know, I, like the Jonathan Simmons pickup is all right, but um, yeah, I, I just I just don't think they're ready yet to win at a high level. I just think the Raptors' ceiling. I mean, even the Raptors' floor. Um, when you, when you look at what you expect from them in the postseason, I would definitely feel a lot more confident uh, in the Raptors' chances against the Sixers than the Celtics. Um. Okay, next one from Fuzz was shout out, shout out the feet of Pug, rest in peace. Um, is it also really disappointing to you how either Mark or Serge is gonna get at most twenty four minutes on a given night? A player of Gasol's caliber shouldn't make the team marginally better, and it sucks to see him reduced in such a role. And this won't change. I do feel like, yeah, this is a kind of an issue where the two of them just can't play together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do play together, you're not like I guess they could yes they could physically play together, but it's like you're cutting off so much of their value that it's not even worth it. To be honest, I think honestly like Pascal is definitely better as a power forward than Serge, and even OG, supposed to the way he's playing right now, might be a better power forward than Serge is at power forward. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the only the you know it, it'll be a very specific scenario where you could potentially see both on the court. Like maybe, you know, if the Celtics throw out uh, Aaron Baines and Horford together, mm-hmm. um, that's a potential scenario. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a little frustrating that you can't necessarily get the best out of one. But I think as a whole, if you look at the Raptors situation and the, and what they can get out of 48 minutes at center, I think that's what you have to be more excited about. Um, yeah. You're getting 40 yeah. minutes of elite, elite production at center. Yeah. 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 Uh, so and, you got, that, and you got versatility too. Yeah. There's a lot of Gasol questions. I'll leave them to the end because it's kind of exhausting seeing, um, the Gasol versus Valentino stuff. People are just not letting it go, which is like, bro, JV's gone. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Hans asked if the Raptors hired, uh, Ettore Messina or Ime Yudoka, both Spurs assistants as head coach back in May. What would happen to Kawhi? Do you think the Raptors still trade for him? I mean, 100% they still trade for Kawhi Leonard. Are you kidding? Uh, is Kawhi happy to play on a Spurs system coach? Maybe the Raptors replace Nurse for an outsider. I do think it's interesting that, you know, this whole Kawhi thing, like, shakes down and really accelerates in, like, uh, July, right after the Raptors had already decided on a head coach. And I do think that if the Raptors had um, hired their head coach after this whole thing happened, I don't think necessarily Nurse might have been that guy. Um, but also, like, people are kind of down on Nurse, and I, I kind of get it. Like, you can always be down on a coach, and there's a lot of potential with this team. And it doesn't really feel like the Raptors have always maximized their full potential the way, like, the Bucks have, but... It's not like Nurse is doing that bad of a job. Like, come on. Like, he's for a rookie coach. He's done really well, man. Like, they're, they have the second best games. record in the NBA. And, like, you got multiple players breaking out. Serge is having his greatest year ever. JV was having his greatest years before he got traded. Like, just with a bunch of injuries. Yeah, exactly. With a bunch of injuries. Like, you know, I mean, you know, a Bad new team man. continuity. Uh, yeah. 
he's done well. He's done well. He's done well. I think, you know, I think as a whole, we have, you know, a lot of fans and even media, we sort of base our perspective based on what we've seen, right? And we haven't seen mm-hmm. someone be just sort of random with their rotations, have this timeshare at center. Um, exactly. On a pod said he wanted to do like a whole story on this timeshare at center because it's sort of been whispered around the league, but no one's ever actually like had the balls to go out and do it. And like maybe if the Raptors go deep in the postseason and, and they keep doing it, like, Maybe it's a, something that becomes a trend in the league, right? So, mm. um, so those are things that maybe people need to get comfortable with. It, it, obviously, it's his first season on the job, and when people look at, oh, we're all in, we're all the Raptors are all in, um, you know, there should be a set rotation, everyone should be comfortable with this and that. But there is also, you know, some value and randomness in terms of, uh, you know, put, uh, making it a bit harder for teams to scout you. You look at. You know, a lot of people obviously say LeBron was the coach, but Tyron Lou, you look at the way he managed his rotations during the regular season, he threw out a lot of different lineups and it made it that much harder to prepare for in the playoffs, right? And you, you talk about being, you know, 15 strong or whatever, 17 strong now with these two-way contracts or, um, and I think there is value in sort of treating the regular season, uh, the way he has because, I mean, let's face it, 82 games is a long time. Uh, and, you know, maintaining that freshness, I think these are the little things that you can do. And, you know, one thing that, that, that probably isn't talked about at all, um, Jerry Stackhouse, when he won that G League championship, he changed the starting lineup over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And no one had an issue with it. No one averaged more than like 25 minutes a game. Um, there were honestly like 10, 11 different starters over the course of the season. Um, so obviously, you know, that, that, that's something that's a G League experiment, so it doesn't get magnified or doesn't get criticized. And obviously you go on and win the whole thing, but I think when you can get guys to buy in and understand their role, I think, uh, it can bode well for the postseason where you're going to be looking to make, you know, adjustments on the fly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, I honestly, like, that's, that's part of the reason the Raptors let go of Dwayne Casey, right? Cause he was so rigid in what he did. Uh, and yep. he was kind of slow to make adjustments. Like, he was good between games, but within games, he was slow to do it. And, you know, I guess that's what you got Nurse for, so the first place. So then to be upset that Nurse is more, you know, liberal about the whole thing is, you know, what, what did you want? That like, the whole point of it was to get him to do what he's doing, so you can't really fault him for that. Uh, in terms of going back well, to the point of like, it, what's that? People need a crutch. That's what it is, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's, you, coaching is such an easy thing to go this, back on. You, you see the ceiling of this Raptors team, and ev- inevitably, if it ends in doom, you just need something to fall back on and be like, "Yeah, I knew this was going to be a problem. This whatever, like, right?" So, just enjoy the ride, man. Like, it's been six straight playoffs now. Um, <laughs> this is the best version of the team of those six iterations. Just enjoy the ride. Like, there's a lot of franchises that don't get this. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and then going back to Hans's original question about like hiring Messina or Yudoka, I don't think that would really go against what Kawhi wanted to do. Because I, I don't think Messina and Yudoka will come in and just try to replicate everything the Spurs did. Maybe Yudoka because he hadn't coached previously outside the Spurs, but Messina's been like a very established coach you know, in an international ranks. So I don't think they would have tried to come in and do the whole like let's just play the way the Spurs did. And I don't know, even if they did, like. To be honest, the Raptors play more like the Spurs now 
than what the Spur, like what the current Spurs play like in terms of just like if you think of this, the definition of the Spurs being like the 2014 Spurs where everyone moved mm-hmm. the ball, they shot the ball well. Like the way the Spurs play right now, especially with the starting lineup, like it, it's just a regular offense. Like it's not Spurs. It's yeah. just standard pick and roll stuff with Demar and, and Lamarcus. Whereas with Kawhi, mm-hmm. like. Okay, Kawhi sort of plays sort of just like the scoring type of small forward, classic, you know, like, honestly, it's probably the same, same plays that, you know, MJ was doing, and it's the same kind of Kobe stuff, but like, the rest of the team kind of plays that Spurs style, like, it really does, and, you know, yeah. I don't know, I don't think it would have been too different, and I, to be honest, personality-wise, I have no idea how Kawhi, you know, sees Messina or Yudoka, um, you know, it seemed like the only Spurs coach that he really, really gravitated to, I guess Popovich, he liked him, but, um, it was Jeremy Castleberry and who the Raptors ended up hiring anyway. So, yep. Uh, let's take a couple more real quick. Um, uh, some of these questions aren't that great, to be honest. Okay, well, Evan. Okay, what would you like seeing more? Kawhi with the bench, as as opposed to just one of Siakam or Larry, as they've been doing recently. Um, spending the bench minutes with just Kawhi isos would be interesting. I think. If you took Kawhi and made him basically oversee the bench unit, it'll be very similar to when Damar used to oversee the bench unit. Because, like, remember last year, it was like Kyle will come out, you know, six-minute mark, and then Damar will play the entire first quarter, and he would play with the bench, and then Kyle will come in yep. with the bench, just like that, right? Like, yep. like during those moments, like, I thought, like, yeah, Damar would just be the future player. They run pick and roll over and over again, and, you know, like, it would not be as good as when Kyle ran the offense, but it was still effective, and I think... Kawhi can basically do the same thing. I don't think it's the same when you put Pascal with the bench because he just doesn't get featured in the same way Kawhi does. Like, Pascal will play with the bench, and he'll just be like, oh, I'm, a, I'm back to the bench mob days. I'm just another guy. It's like, no, you're not another guy. You're, like, our go-to guy. But they don't play yeah. like that, right? And so yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, uh, yeah, it's fine. I, I think Kawhi with the bench makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the only thing I would say with that is my preference is to have like a Lowry, like a Gasol, just because mm-hmm. um, with those guys you need, with, with the rest of the bench guys you need someone who can accentuate their skills right. and not necessarily have the pressure to you know create on their own. So I kind of like when when those guys are out there, and I think that I, I do personally feel like that's at, that's when they're at their best. And obviously, I think the dynamic changes once Fred VanVleet comes back from injury. Um, so you you look at the rotation now. You know, with the way Lynn has been shooting the ball, you know, till that Pelicans game, uh, that was obviously a problem. McCaw in general, you don't really look at him as a three point shooter. Uh, Powell is pretty streaky. So, um, so I think Van Vliet, if he can bring in that value as a three point shooter, I think that can open up the floor for that bench unit. And then you have him, you have Kyle Lowry maybe in the backcourt. Um, and then from there, you, you know, you can, you can play the matchups. Yeah, and look, some of these guys won't even play. That's the thing. Some of the issue will just solve itself. Like you're, you're just not gonna get a lot of Jeremy Lin minutes, especially the way he's playing. Yeah. You might not get any. So, and, and McCaw is not gonna play as much, and Norm's not gonna play as much. So, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, all right, two more. One from Andre. Which team would you would present a more difficult first round matchup, Nets or Pistons? Um, I'm going with Pistons just because they're more physical and they're more suited to playing a half court style. Uh, whereas the Nets are, com- are a complete up tempo team and they're young and they're small across the board. And I feel like honestly the Raptors would just bully the Nets. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Nets, there, there's that inexperience factor. There's, 
Um, they're the twenty three. They're the twenty fourteen Raptors, man, and like not as good as that team either. And they're kind of ripe yeah. to get punked. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, they might have that one night where they're just blazing from three, and Joe Harris is making everything. So um, they they might be able to steal a game at home. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely think the Pistons will have um, will will be more of a test just because of. You know, you look at Blake's previous playoff experience. You look at Casey as an experienced guy. So uh, I think there'll be more of a test. Obviously, you expect the Raptors to come through both fairly comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Pistons will be way more interesting. Um, but, yeah, I yeah, think in terms of wear and tear, like, you would also rather play the Nets because, like, the Pistons are going to be coming at you. Like, Pascal's going to have to deal with Blake Griffin for 40 minutes a night. That's that's a yeah. lot of wear and tear on you because he's just gonna try to go through you. Yeah. Same thing with OG. Right? Although although the way OG played him, you know, you you might have yeah. to give him some minutes too. That's true. OG's played real well, nicely. Played. It's it's been nice to see. Anyway, uh, yeah. last thing. Um, there's a couple of questions on this, so I'll just summarize it with um, this one um, from Amon. Um, would you trade Marcus Hall for Jonas Valanciunas? There's a lot of questions along this line. Um, <laughs> look, man. I mean, we talked about this earlier in the podcast, but like. Can we just go back to like why are people so hung up on this thing? Like, like JV is right. like someone that's always been so polarizing. And do you feel like now that he's gone and played well, which like again I'm thrilled that he's playing well. He's playing like the best basketball of his career, right? Like his usage rate has gone up to 29. percent It's never been higher than like 22, and he's yep. basically extended his production. He's still only playing 26 minutes a night, but he's averaging 18.5 points, uh, nine rebounds a game. His assists are up a little bit. I think that's a product of the system. And also, he's blocking shots at a, at a career-high rate, and he's still shooting 59% from the field. He's playing great basketball, like, and it's sort of the type of basketball that um, I think a lot of fans were always confident that JV could play. But, like, do you feel like part of the reason why JV is still so relevant to the Raptors, aside from everything he's done, is just because a lot of people have had a lot of arguments about JV, and they just want to feel vindicated now. And it's so much so that they're almost rooting against Gasol, because they just want this whole JV thing to be, they want to be right more than, they want, they want, they want to be right about JV being, you know, this, yeah, basically Lithuanian Shaq more than they actually want the Raptors to do whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's their first priority. <laughs> that's honestly how it comes across. Yeah. You no, know, I mean, I, I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, I, I do think the majority of, uh, the feeling is from, stems from that. Uh, if, if there's another sort of avenue for fans, it, it's probably because they feel that attachment with JV with him being, you know, after DeRozan leaving and being like the long, longest tenured Raptor. Um, so I think there is some attachment on from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but I mean, I think it all comes down to, again, we go back to the all in factor, right? And, um, it, it just, it's just the Raptors goalposts have changed the, their, um, their direction in terms of how long they're invested in this window uh, has changed. And, you know, they're clearly not trying to juggle both, uh, you know, w- winning winning now and then winning in the future. I think it's more, you know, let's win now and then we can figure it out later. Um, and, you know, let, let's face it, a lot of that is going to come down to what Kawhi decides this summer. Um, so, yeah, obviously, if you're talking about, a five-year outlook, then give me JV because he's 26 and Gasol 34, and you're probably getting one, maybe two seasons out of Gasol. Um, and you've got a whole future future with JV, and you've got, uh, you know, at a position where guys generally blossom later in their careers. So 
Um, yeah, again, it's all it's all about what each team needs, and that's why the trade worked out, right? Memphis was looking for young talent, and the Raptors were looking for a guy who was more of a win now. Yeah, for real. And, it, uh, and again, like going back to what we said earlier, it, it might even be the case that the Raptors just chose wrong this situation. You might ultimately need a guy like what JV does versus what a guy like Gasol does. But they basically decided that they want the Gasol skill set more than they want JV. That's that's really what it came down to. It wasn't anything else. Right? It wasn't like JV wasn't a good player. That, right? And, like, and, and it's not to say, sorry, the, that Jonas can't develop those skills. Like, you know, last year was the first time we saw him get more involved in the offense at the top of the key and, you know, initiate some offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe if you give him two or three years more of that, he becomes more of that type of player. But the Raptors aren't waiting on that right now. They're trying to get this done right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. I look forward to uh, arguing about JV from now until the end of time uh, as a Raptors uh, coverage person. I don't even know what to call that reporter, I guess. But um, Vivek, <laughs> Where can people find you and your work, man? You can find me at Raptors Republic, of course, uh, Sportsnet, uh, The Athletic, and that, you can find me on Twitter at Vivekan Jacob. That's about it. Yeah, there you go. How are you feeling about United these days, by the way? I mean, I mean, this Arsenal result notwithstanding. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel good, man. Even yeah. the Arsenal game, United played well. Um, you know, if Lukaku could actually just finish. Totally or, right. you know, if David yeah. De Gea wasn't so overrated. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that, that first goal was bad. That first goal was bad. Come on. It took, it took Honestly, like, a spin, though, like, but, like, come on. You got to save that. Like, period. Honestly, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Just because even when you look at the replay, I mm-hmm. don't see how he could have judged that Zaka hit that. Like, it didn't look like it came off the outside of his foot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it looked like he hit it straight. Like at the scene, so um, like right off the laces. So that's why I, I was like, man, it's kind of funky that it went that way. Um, he kind of misjudged it, it though. He, he like he he took a step to the right. Like even if he just took like stood still and waited for the curve to. I mean, I don't know. It's these are very very split second decisions, but yeah, but, I mean, uh, at least that PSG we'll, game was nice. That was wild, man. That was. Um, <laughs> I went in with zero expectations. <laughs> yeah, because you're playing 17 year olds, man. Yeah. Um, and like, especially after the way PSG could tr- control the game at Old Trafford, mm. and and now Pogba wasn't going to be there either. So, um, yeah, I did not see that coming. But you know, I will take three gifts uh, in a game all day, Yo. and United are into the quarters. But yeah, man, Ole is at the wheel. Yeah. I'm 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 upset that you guys are so happy, but also like it it, it does make the whole thing more fun. Like it's 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 either like because you're, you're never gonna get around United being very relevant, and so it's either like mopey fans whining about ev- like yo, I don't want to hear anything about Mourinho. Like it was so annoying. And at yeah. least now that you guys are a good team, like it, it's more fun this way. So yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, wait, how are you, how are you feeling about your boys? Uh, I almost feel more comfortable chasing for the top seed right. than holding the top seed, right. if that makes any sense, right? I mean, like, whatever, yeah, rolling no, one I point can. back, but, you know, like, it's, it's honestly, if the front three can play like they did against Burnley, and, uh, yeah. like, obviously, the, whatever, Burnley's a, a shit team, but, like, if the front three can actually just play coherently together, and you're not being like, oh, we'll try Divock Origi today, like, no, that's never gonna be the answer, I'm sorry. 
Uh, he knows the difference, man. He he links he, he, he puts it all together. Yes. Um, but I mean, like, honestly, like, it's not like Salah and Mane play like that every single game. And, um, you just, like, want a little bit more consistency out of that group. But, again, yeah. I, I feel way more comfortable chasing than I do holding a lead. I mean, you could put all your Liverpool jokes here anyway, but I, I just feel more comfortable this way. But, like, honestly, City, the way they are right now, like, they, they can honestly just win out the rest of the season. Like, there might not even yeah. be a chance to overtake the one point gap. So, yeah. uh, they're, I mean, they're next scary. Week's but... a big one, right? You guys have Spurs next week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Spurs are healthy again, so that's that's not easy. But we'll figure it yeah. out. We play the Spurs ball usually. But Kane came back and they're losing, which is weird. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I gave up winning without him, and then he came back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, all right, B. This is great. Um, yeah, we'll the you know the Raptors weekly podcast. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's tough to do them on Sundays now because I'm a little bit more busy in life, but I'm going to try to get them out Sundays as usual. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now, and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while last. See store for details.